Somebody say more. More. You may be seated. Let me tell you, according to Oxford, Oxford Dictionary, more means a greater or additional amount or degree of. Let me tell you what more does. More drives. More pushes. More demands. More hungers. More means unsatisfied. If you're satisfied, you don't want more. When you're unsatisfied, you want more speaks to a restless now. But if you're there, if you have the audacity, if you dare to ask for more, make sure you have room for what you're asking for. Don't ask for more if you haven't made room for more. We serve the God of more. I will repeat that for the hearing impaired. We serve the God of more. <laughs> Ephesians 3.20 is explicit. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish in infinitely more than we might ask or think. So this message in this series, last week we began with Jedediah. We'll continue throughout the course of July and August. It will be a summer of more. Let me explain. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger, who desire more of righteousness. So if we could have a church, we have so many people streaming online right now, but if we could have the people in this auditorium in Northern California, can you come in agreement and declare that this will be a summer of more? We got about 40% of you. Oh, by the way, before I ask the rest of you to engage, if you think I'm talking about more money and more and more jewels and more bling and more, and you're missing it. I'm talking about more of God's presence. How many want more of God's power? How many want more of God's purpose, God's passion, God's promise, God's provision, promotion? If you really want more of this, how many are ready to see a summer of more people saved? More people healed. More people set free. More people baptized in the Holy Spirit. More people changing the world for Jesus. Somebody shout more. What if I tell you today that the ridiculous, radical, revolutionary, redemptive, restorative, redeeming, reconciliatory Christian truth that makes our faith unique on this planet is the following undeniable truth. Watch this. When you follow Jesus, more demands less. What you talking about, Willis? More means less. What? More of God means less of you. Once upon a time there lived a man convinced that he knew God. God wanted more for him and more from him. So he encountered this man on the road to a city called Damascus. The outcome of that more encounter changed the world forevermore. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was committed, eager to kill the Lord's followers. Lord, Pastor Lauren Dittmore, where are you? Is Pastor Lauren here? Pastor Lauren, in light of the comedy sketch on this stage and the fact that you're wearing your, your Paul sandals, your Burks, come up here right now. Give it up for Saul of Tarsus, please. 
Give it up for the best sandals on the planet. Did you get them done recently? They're all shining. That you're, I, mean, I mean, I just got to polish them every You polish them every once in a while? Yeah. Okay. You put little diamonds in them and all that? Crystal gel. Crystal gel. You don't judge here, buddy. That's all you. Be you. Pastor Mondo sent you that place. Okay. So, so this guy with the sandals went to the high priest. He requested letters to address to the synagogues in Damascus. I love this. Asking, do we, asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any of the followers of... Can somebody read that for me? I'm wearing my Clark Kent glasses today. Any of the followers of... Can anyone just... Can you? I'm, this is not scripted, as you can tell. Can you tell me what's interesting about the word way? Do you think that's a coincidence? Throughout the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, filled with the Holy Spirit, Dr. Luke writes this. Every time he talks about the way, he capitalizes the word way. Look, randomly, there's just a word way, and it's capitalized. Uh, any of the followers of the way. So Christians were not called Christians in the beginning. You know what we were called? The followers of, that's it. That's, I just gave you the first descriptor that assigned to us. He wanted to bring them both men and women, both men and women, both men and women, both men, women and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you're taking any notes, I'm going to be very brief here today. Number one, more of God means less of your way. More of God means less of your way. Well, let's do it one more time. It was followers of the what? Capital W. Listen, we live in a world with many ways, many ways to express opinions, many ways to engage in relationships, many ways to self-identify ethnically, sexually, otherwise, many ways to acquire information, in this biblical passage, I love this. The Holy Spirit drives Luke to say, we're not just a way. We, we are followers of the, oh boy. Early Christians were known as followers of the way. I love this because it was a capital W. It was a capital W. It makes it unique and exclusive. And, and I, I want to double down on this. In this church, we don't offer a thousand ways. We don't offer you a hundred ways. We don't offer you ten ways. We don't even offer you five ways. I'm going to be honest. We don't even offer you three ways. We offer you one way. And that way happens to have a name. It is the most beautiful name in all of the universe. It is the name above every other name. It is the wonderful, powerful, liberating, chain-breaking. It is the name that makes cancer shrivel up and die. 
It is the name that sets an addict free. It is the name that will turn around a family. A family full of drama becomes a family full of destiny. It is the name that brings an end to every generational curse. It is the name that heals your mind, that heals your heart, that heals your body, that heals your soul, that heals your destiny, that heals absolutely everything. What name am I talking about? The name of Jesus. If you believe there is power in that name, shout that name, praise that name. Worship that name. It is that name, the one way name. I love it, it's the way, the early church. This guy came against, this guy came against the fight. He hated them. He wanted to kill them, not my wording, we read it. Matter of fact, he wanted to kill them. The, the early church, all right, look around you for a second. I want to show you some stuff here. Um, we are comfortable. Let me explain. Like, look at us right now. We, we're in an auditorium in Northern California. It's going to be 101 degrees today in Sacramento, yet our HVAC units are working. Air conditioning. You're in comfortable seating. You're so comfortable, some of you either praise or nap. And sometimes you praise while you're napping. You know our church, we're putting in massage chairs next year. Oh, we don't, we don't play. In the middle of the sermon, you're either, you're going to hear, it's either going to be the Holy Spirit or you reacting to the massage chair. But no, but look how comfortable, right? We have everything we need. Even if you look up here for a second, we have LED screens. Sometimes even people on LSD can see the LED screens. I mean, we have... We have so many, somebody said, that's me, praise the Lord, my testimony. That's, this, this is, stop it, don't. Um, this is, seriously, we're comfortable. How many Christians, how many Christians, how many people that come to church, how many of us would survive if they started persecuting Christians the way they persecuted the first Christians for the first 300 years? There's a certain nation that is streaming, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna mince my words because there are people from that nation streaming, and the government gets involved and shuts down the internet for certain people. In a certain nation today, Christians meet underground. Literally, they give li they convey little messages. They live they leave little things behind to meet because if the government finds out, they come after you. They imprison you. And, and it's pretty amazing how Christian. and by the way, in that one nation that I'm referencing, it is the nation right now with the fastest growing number of Christians. What the devil doesn't understand till this day, because he's such a liar that he lies to himself, he doesn't get it. The devil doesn't understand that the more you come after the followers of the way, the more the followers of the way preach about the way. What the enemy doesn't understand is that we're not a normal entity. We're not a government. We're not a, a, a political party. We're not people on Instagram and Facebook with our own little hustle. This is not a side hustle, baby. We're not just anything. We are the followers of the way. We are the followers of Jesus. 
back in the Roman times when, when, when Saul was fought, was first, this is pretty amazing, that they would walk around. This is what people would actually do, not making it up. So you're a Christian. You had to be, you know, in the, in the, in the DL. You had to be, in the, you, you had to cover your Christianity up. So, but, but you wouldn't. Let me explain. You would walk around and go like this. This really happened. We know it because we have the archives and the Roman writings to prove it. People would go, there's nobody around. And they would do half a fish like this. Half a fish, not the full fish. Then they would go like this. And they would wait to see if somebody else would come and finish the fish. And if somebody would come and finish, do you have that graphic up there? April, can you go back up there? If, if they would finish the fish and whoever would finish the fish, that means they were a Christian. Then that, that's it. And then this person would see that person finish the fish. And then, and then, then they would go and go like, come here, come here. We're going to meet in the following house at the following time. We're going to pray together because Jesus told us if two or more. I don't know if you get this. If two or more. If two or more would gather in his name, he would be in the midst of them. That's how Christianity became the greatest and largest faith group on the planet. In the midst of persecution. What am I telling you? The world is falling apart. Everything seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. It looks like the devil released all the proverbial kraken simultaneously. Doesn't it look like the devil basically went, hey guys, um, might as well do this. Everybody get out. All the demons, y'all, get out. Get out of your buses. Let's just go. Let's go. COVID, things, the economy, people. Let's, let's, let's do away with every vestige of truth. Whatever everybody believed was true. Let's, do, let's just confuse people. Let's divide people. Violence everywhere. They're killing people everywhere. South Africa, Texas, Illinois, the former prime minister of Japan, a spirit of violence. Everything seems to be falling apart. Why is the devil freaking out and launching all his minions? Could it be that he knows this is the bottom of the ninth inning and he's about to be could it be that the devil knows that his time is running out what am I telling you church get ready we are about to see the glory of the way like we have never seen before if you believe you're about to see Jesus show up They would meet. This is, what, this is what Saul was after. Saul was after all the people that did this. He came after that. And all of a sudden, I love the writing. He says, Luke says, he just, he, this guy wasn't just after anybody. He was after the people of the way. We are people of the way. We are, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am. Stop it. He said, I am. Did he say, I am a way? No. That's politically incorrect. Do you realize what we're doing? I can preach this message in Texas and Alabama. We're preaching this in California. We, we are preaching in California that Jesus is. Are you nuts? You're part of a church right now that believes that Jesus is. I don't know if, if you want to water that down. Go to another church. In this church, till the, for every single day, this church is going to preach and teach that he is the only way. Somebody say one way. 
one way to be saved, one, one way for eternal life, one way for abundant life, one way to do away with your past, one way to do away with your sins, one day to shake off hell, one way to fulfill your destiny, one way to live out your purpose, one way to change the world. He is the way, he is the way in, he is the way through, and he is the way out. He is the way out of your Egypt, through your desert, and into your promised land. He is the way out of your past, through your present, and into your future. He is the way out of your hell, through the heartbreak, and into heaven. Somebody say, he is the way. Do you know why we serve the God of the way? Why of the exclusive way? We serve the, why the way? Because we don't serve a little G God. Um. Nate, Pastor Nate, Pastor Elijah, come up here. They don't know I'm going to do this. These are my, as you know, these are my spiritual sons. These are pastors. They're both amazing, graduated from a great university. They're great. They know the word. They're just amazing. I was telling them how, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, even in the green room, I'm preaching. I'm still preaching. So I go, like, this is, you know, just we're going to differentiate between the little G God and the big G God. And you guys were, I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and I grew up as a nerd in this little house in a little community, so I don't know these things. You guys were telling me, Pastor Sam, little, what were you telling me about the G's? Because I don't know what this means. It's cultural contextualization. Saying like big G. Yeah. You know, big G on the set, you know, I got to throw my G up, you know. But I was telling you. What is that? Again, I'm from Pennsylvania. Bethlehem, dude. Bethlehem, we had cows as my neighbors. What are you talking about? Well, you know, because we're part of the way, and it's not like little God, it's big God, big G. The big G. Then why do certain people act like they serve the little G God? And, and they pray and they live like they serve the little G God. There's a bunch of little G gods. In this church, we don't pray to the little G gods. We pray to the big G God. I don't know about you. Somebody comes in here and goes, why are you guys so loud? Why do you pray so big? We praise big because we serve the big G God. Any worshipers in the house, we don't pray to the little G God. We pray to the big G God. We don't worship the little G God. We worship the big G God. That's, that's, that's the whole thing? That's the whole thing. You got to just make sure, Pastor Sam, that you're not throwing up. Keep that thumb in there. Yeah, big G. You don't want to throw a big C. Just throw a big G. What are you talking about? What in the name of the good Lord are you talking about? What? Did he have that in Bethlehem? Throw a big G God, big C God? Just keep that thumb bent. Keep the thumb bent? Like if I have arthritis? Exactly, exactly. Is your generation committed to the big G God? You know, there are little G's in your generation. But you have your generation worshiping a bunch of little G gods. The G of narcissism and secular humanism, of ideologies and teachings and social constructs that just totally come against what God says. But you guys are going to rise up. You already did. Your generation is about to change the world. You're going to reintroduce the world to the glory of God like this world has never seen before. What does that mean? 
I'm going to be honest, guys, this is not scripted. I just want to tell you, you all preachers, and you're going to be preaching on campus, pastoring on campuses, we don't need more speakers. We need more preachers that preach that Jesus is the only way. We don't need more singers. We need worshipers that usher in the glory of God. I'm going to be honest, we don't even need more conferences. We need more gatherings where Jesus shows up and devils run out. Where Jesus shows up and bondage runs out. I don't know about you, but I do believe I traveled in New Zealand, went around at different countries in the past week and a half. I'm seeing hunger. I'm telling you, listen, don't be surprised. We're about to, there are two types of people right now. There are people saying right now, we should reduce churches. This all came out in the last few weeks. We think we should reduce. 30% of Christians are not coming back to church. So they, 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 they doubled down and they studied that 30%, they predicted 36% weren't coming back. 30% of people that went to church prior to COVID are not coming to church now. So churches on average are 30% emptier than what they were before COVID. And then some of these people are saying we're not coming back, period. Whoa. So I'm just here to, there are two types of pastors and leaders. There are those that are going, we should reduce the auditorium times and we should cut down on our program. I know churches that literally shut down for the summer and said they're gonna pick up in September. That's that kind of church. Then we have some cuckoo for Cocoa Puff people on the other side that say, shutting down, smaller, find me a bigger building. We have more people that are about. Somebody prays like you know God's about to show up. How many believe that God's about to show off His glory like we have never seen before in your family, in your home, in your calling, in your ministry. If you believe, if you still believe that we are about to see our prodigal sons and daughters come back home, now give God the best shout of praise you've given Him all day. Praise Him. Praise like you believe it. Serve the big G God. Worship like you believe it. All right, final note, final note. For you guys there, I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you guys go because you're union workers. Here, here it is. 81% of Americans, Gallupo, I'm going to have this stuff for you on the app tomorrow so you can look at the studies. 81% of Americans believe in God. That number is down from 10 years ago. It should be 87%, 86, 87. The news articles that day, if you read the news or saw the news, NBC, ABC, CBS, and so forth, they, they were freaking out. Aha! Americans are becoming less and less godly. Aha! We're becoming more a non-believing nation. 81% still believe in God. So the news put it like, aha, we're becoming secular. And, and then in Europe, they're going like, 81% of you crazy Americans believe in God? We're like in the low 30s, mid 30s. Your people still believe in God in spite of every commercial, every movie, every influencer, instead of, in spite of all the politicians, in spite of people cursing God, using God as a curse word, coming against God. Notice how God somehow, 81% of Americans say, in spite of everything around us, we still believe in God. For, 
close to 50% still believe that the Word of God is inspired by God. I don't know if you understand that. You would think no one believes that, but no, 49% believe the Word of God is inspired by God. There's a smaller number that believes it is the literal Word of God, every single page, every single word, but 49% believe it is close to 50%. And then Harvard came out with the craziest study. Oh, Harvard, we're gonna have this on the app. The Harvard University study. One of the largest studies ever. They wanted to know who are the healthiest people in America. They went through specific areas. What people in America are less likely to ever think about committing suicide? What people in America are, what group of people identify are the group of people less likely to suffer from depression or anxiety where it breaks so they went, who are the healthiest mental health people in America? They went through a bunch of categories. Who are the most joyful? Who are the most this? Who are the most this? Who are the most compassionate, the most loving? You know how they call us like, you're hateful. The most loving, the most loving. The most, guess which group came out as the healthiest group? The people in this auditorium on a hot Sunday afternoon in Sacramento, California. No, you missed it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we don't have a religion. We have a relationship with the living God. If you're a Christian, you have joy. I said if you're a Christian, you have joy. I said if you have Christian, you have joy. You have love. You have peace. Are there any followers of the way here today? If you're a follower of the way, lift up your hands and repeat after me, I am a proud follower of the way. Say it like you believe it, I am a proud follower of the way. If you really are, if you know that you are followers of the way, Jesus is the way, not a way. And it's beautiful, it's not arrogant, it's compassionate. The world is broken, they need to know. They need to know for God to be the way in your life. For you to live out the purpose of the way, you must learn to get out of the way. I will repeat that. For God to be the way in your life, for you to live out the purpose of the way, you must learn to get out of the My thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. You don't want to be in the way of God having his way in your life. Every single day, get out of the way as you live in the way, permitting God to have his way in your life. All right, thank you. I can't, okay, forget it. Just thank you. Keep the thumb. Keep that thumb. Ready? Stay right here. This happened, and I'll wrap up with this. Right here. Go right here. He hated, hated, hated us. He was responsible for early Christians dying. In Acts chapter 7, one of the first deacons in the church, a guy named Stephen, rock star preacher, had a massive Instagram follower. Stephen came along, comes along. They, they literally dragged him out of a town. They told him, deny Jesus. He said, nah. They stoned him. They literally picked up stones. They put him like this. And they stoned him to death. They 
took his clothes and they brought the clothes to the thief. Acts chapter 7 of a young Saul. In Acts 22, he repeats verbatim after he's a Christian. He says, I was there. I was there when they killed Stephen and they brought his clothes over. So all of a sudden, this man is going en route to kill more Christians, the followers of the way. And this happens. Jesus shows up. Just, this is Jesus post-resurrection. By the way, this is going to mess up many people theologically. This is Jesus post Everybody go. I love my church. That's probably a curse word in Italy and we just did it. And he, he, Je, Jesus, if somebody laughs afterward, I got that now. Jesus literally after the ascension, is it after Jesus in Acts chapter one went up, he does a cameo, a cameo. Jesus goes, bam. And Jesus is the light of the world and he is shining so brightly, so brightly that the moment he shows up, this guy who is dark, he's dark, he's a killer, an assassin. He authorizes the death of Christians, the followers. The moment the light shows up, what does darkness do? Every time the light shows up in your life, darkness will have no other choice but to fall. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Without exception, John chapter 1 verse 5, light will always overcome darkness. If you have a dark area in your mind, in your family, in your relationships, if there's darkness that you're surrounded by, if you're fighting, if you're fighting right now something that's utterly dark, I need you to put a smile on your face. This is a summer of more. I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus. How many believe even before this service is over, the light of Christ is here? How many believe that every, every bit of darkness has no other choice but to fall? If you believe that, give God one more praise. Now you don't believe it. If you believe it, high five your neighbor, tell him, Timber! Timber, 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 timber. That lie, that sickness, that work of the enemy has no other choice but to fall. Light always overcomes, light will always overcome darkness. Light will always, Jesus shows up and he's shining. He couldn't handle the light because he was full of what? Darkness falls, baby. Every single time light shows up, darkness falls. Every addiction falls. Every lie of the enemy appear falls. Are you with me right now? I'm speaking to you prophetically. I know it's going to sound weird for some of you. I know it because I saw it in the past week. Everything that's dark in your life will not survive the light of Christ. Somebody should be praising like you believe it right now. This is for somebody here. There's somebody in your family that you love. Somebody in your family that right now is fighting darkness. I have good news for you. The darkness in your family will. The darkness in your family will fall. 
If this is for you, lift up your hands. We're done. We're done. Darkness has to fall. Lift up your hands and say, darkness has to fall. Say it like you believe it. The Bible says if you confess it, say, darkness has to fall. Can you do me a favor? Take your hand. Touch your thoughts right here. Say every dark thought has no other choice but to fall. Matter of fact, I hear the word darkness collapses. In the presence of the light, darkness will always collapse. There's breakthrough in your family as I speak. There's breakthrough in your children and your children's children and the people you love. I sense the power of God. Darkness has to fall. Listen, God's light is shining upon you, upon your family, upon your calling. This is the summer. Darkness will not survive this week. If you believe it, give God one more shout of praise. Somebody shout timber. Timber. We're done. Stand with me. You are standing. Stand with me. Can we say this? Can we say this? The darkness in California will fall. The darkness in this golden state will fall. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Can I, I, I tell you everything? I'm tired of friends of mine who I love telling me, Pastor Sam, how can you pastor in California? It is so dark. It is so dark. Matthew 5 says, we, you, and I, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot stop hiding the light. Stop hiding the fact that you're a born-again Christian. Hey, guys, girls, everyone out there is talking about who they are. This is the season of everybody. Tell the world who you are. Be proud of who you are. Well, uh, all right. Okay. What are you telling me? I'm proud of who I am. Okay. You have that right. But so do I. I am a born-again... I am a born-again, devil-rebuking, demon-binding, Christ-exalting child of the living God. Stop hiding your light. Let everyone know that you are a follower of the way. Not a way. You're standing with me. If you got this message, raise your hand. More of God means less of you. Jesus didn't trip him. Jesus didn't go. Jesus didn't even say, I'm here. Bow. It's just light makes darkness fall. All you got to do is show up. Show up with your testimony. Show up with love. Show up with grace. Show up treating others like they carry the image of God. In a world full of hate, show up with unbridled love. Speaking truth with love. Show up with a reconciliatory prescription. Show up with healing. Show up. Watch this. This is, I am done. I just want to show you this final point. This is Jesus. This guy is on the ground. And then this happened. Saul. So, Saul, he begins a conversation. First of all, he knows his name. Of course, he knows your name. 
called them by name. They didn't say, you, you. I know who you are. God knows who you are before you're even born. I mean, he designed you. He defined you before you're even born. He says, Saul, Saul. And that began a conversation that would change the world to a great degree. We're in this auditorium because of that moment. You missed that. This is the most influential leader of the early church. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Oh, do you get the majority? This good news. This former hater, a former hater, wrote the majority of the New Testament. And the conversation began not when he was standing, but when he was what? On the ground, I discover that some of the greatest conversations we have with God do not take place when we are on our feet. Some of the best conversations we have with God take place when we are on our face. Is there anyone here who encountered God when you hit rock bottom? Is there anyone here who discovered God when everyone abandoned you, when you couldn't see anything? Right there. You want to talk to God? Do this. Get grounded. This is the most beautiful fall ever because you fall in the presence of God. You fall in the mercy of God. Oh, you fall in the canopy of God's purpose and design. He fell in a conversation took place and God spoke to him. The old man fell. The new man stood up. Your old you has to fall. This is maybe the only church you'll hear preach, you have to fall. You have to fall. I'm not talking about moral failure. I'm talking about the old you has to fall for the new you to rise up. So can I declare every single person here, this is the summer where every iota of the old you will collapse in the presence of the light of Christ. And when September rolls in, when the summer is over, there are people that knew you as Saul. Saul of Tarsus, they knew you. They knew you as Pharaoh before, Sam before, Rex before, George before, Armando before, Lauren before. And then come September, they're going to say, I don't know what happened to you during the summer, but I don't recognize you anymore. You're a, you speak different. You walk different. You you have a glow, you shine, you're shining. Lift up your hands, I wanna declare this word over you. Let me just pray this over you right now. Ooh, everything has to fall. Here it is, here's the word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that in your home and in your health, in your family and faith, in your destiny and development, the big G God, will make a way because he is the way. If you receive that, raise your hand. For the glory of the risen Christ, I come in agreement, we come in agreement, that today is the day light overcomes all vestiges of darkness in you, in your children, your children's children and the people you love. Every bit of darkness collapses today. And can we say, according to the scripture, that it will never rise up again. Somebody say amen if you receive that. And the final declaration, expecting greater things. We hereby unleash an anointing that will result in conversations 
You're about to talk to God like you've never talked to God before. I'm going to repeat that. You're about to talk to God like you've never talked to God before. You're about to hear from God like you've never heard from God before. It will change your relationship and it will transform not only your life, but the people in your life. If you receive these three declarations out of these three points, now give them the final shout of praise for the day. Saul, Saul, you ready? Are you ready to get up? You sure? When you get up, you're not the old one anymore. Once, once you hear from him, you're not, you can't be the old person. So you ready? You're going to get up. This is the new you. Ready? Here, let me get you. Let me take you up here. Ready? Get up here. Stand up here. Give it up for Paul. You ever been there? My best conversations with God have taken place right there. Not here. Not right there. The most transparent, authentic, vulnerable. Right there. You got to learn how to fall before you fly. That's our Christian faith. I know it sounds counterintuitive. You fall in the presence of Christ, you will fly for the glory of Christ. And we have a bunch of people in this auditorium who have fallen to fly in your families, your children and your children's children will reap the blessings of the day that you hit the ground because the light of Christ blinded you to the old man and opened your eyes to the new you. Give God a clap offering, please. If you got the word, say amen.